Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are having a Q&A because it's been a little while. It has been a long time, but before we get into the questions, Happy New Year's, everyone. Happy New Year. Wow. It's just flown, as we always say every year, but what a year. And I hope everyone did, you know, whatever they wanted. I'm keeping it pretty low key. And I feel like I said the exact same thing for Christmas, actually. <laughs> and then probably this time last year as well. I feel yeah. like we're all about to go through that transition phase where we're at 2021 until at least March. Oh, yeah. I keep, I kept um even writing to people like enjoy 2020 next year and they're like no don't wish that upon me again it's 2022 what are you doing I'm like oh whoops feels like the past years haven't happened it's so true I remember this time last year being like yep 2021 is gonna be the best year (laughs) new start (laughs) so the classic was the 2019 crossover into 2020 like yeah no so let's you know, happy New Year's, but let's keep it conservative because yeah. I want to. <laughs> I want to have a nice 2022. Um, uh, we did think we would wrap up the year with just a Q and A and give you guys the opportunity to slide into the DMs and ask any questions that have popped up. Yeah, yeah, we got some awesome questions, but you know, Sherelle and I love going off on tangents and really elaborating on um, all of the questions. So we've picked four here, and we'll get into it. So the first one is from Shauna Doyle. What would you do if you were prepping and caught COVID? Yeah. Can't believe these are questions now. I know. We're (laughs) still talking about it. Um, But we thought it was very relevant because, you know, as everyone knows, it's really not a matter of like if it's more when. And a lot of people are going to be prepping, dieting phases, doing anything. Like it's not just about competing. It's about living. So life still goes, goes on and we have to learn to sort of I don't want to say live with it, but just navigate it. And if that happens, you know, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to say, like, stay mentally fit during that time to be able to get through it? Yeah, there are memes going around now where it's like um, people don't say stay stay safe anymore. People say, I just hope you get COVID at a time that suits you. Like it's yes. like completely flipped now. But um, and this is relevant as well for any illness, not just COVID. Mm. I mean, you can prep and then get sick. Like mm. it's never a perfect prep. Um, but I think the number one rule is just mm. always look after yourself and maximize recovery when you are sick. Because yeah. whatever sickness you have, if you are pushing, 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 it will not help and it will just delay your recovery. Obviously, this depends on whether you're at the start, middle or right at the end of the prep. I think Mm. if I was at the the end of the prep, you know, you slow down a little bit, but you still have to kind of push. But if it's sort of at the start of your 16, 20 weeks, just have Mm. a rest. It's not going to kill you. I actually had a client, like I was thinking about it just then, I actually had a client that had COVID at the start of her prep and I had a chat with her. Um, She was in the States and, you know, it was pretty much, it's 10 times worse over there, like Mm. rampant. So it was sort of the same situation, but times 10. And I remember saying to her, she told me she she got it and it was not the Omicron strain, it was the other one that you get really sick from. And it was, I think she was 16 weeks out 
And I said, let's just continue on as is. Let's just keep going and see how you go. Because everyone responds differently to any illness, whether it's the flu or anything. So she got quite unwell, um, but we just kept doing it because I feel like when you're in lockdown, like the one thing that you can control is your nutrition and like all the other little bits and pieces that you're doing. Sure, you can't train, but you should have built all the muscle that you need, right? You're not going, a couple of weeks off training's not, not going to be here nor there. It's more about mentally staying in the game and sticking to your nutrition, right? So yeah. she stuck to it and was like, and let, I want to be clear. I was the one that like being like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, should we just pull back? And she was like, nah, like she cool. was like adamant. So I was like, okay, you know, like yep. if you're all in on this, who am I to say, look, it's not going to be perfect. It never is. Never so, is. She ended up prepping. She lost her taste as well. Um, yeah. Uh, she lost it for the whole time. That'll like, make the dieting phase easier. Not bad. That's you know what I, I said. Like, she's like, yeah, I just, I just eat for texture and like yeah. because it's a meal time. So she actually lost her taste. She didn't get it back for probably six months. So it was very Ooh. different to um, the strand that's going around now. But she lost her taste and that was really, she obviously got sick, but then she prepped. She ended up coming third in her show. She looked incredible. Amazing. She had a great prep. Um, and I almost think that sometimes when you go through a few things in your prep it makes it so much bittersweet like Mm-mm. I remember the first um WBFF show that I did it was the one that we did together I had oh, yeah. so much shit go on in my life during Mm-mm. that prep and I nearly pulled the pin so many times yeah but yeah. I was like nah I'm pushing through and mm. that is still a prep that I'll like never forget because of the things that I actually pushed through yeah you never remember the really easy preps it's like no. the ones where you overcame things and you know that's what makes it rewarding because again it's not just about the show day it's about how you get there and what you overcame and who you had to become to Mm. get on the stage and that's what we love so it's good that um yeah she still was able to push on and at the end of the day only we know our symptoms the most not really your coach because you Mm. know the coach is probably going to be conservative and say pull back but if you feel okay you might need Mm. one or two days you know all right great but then just get back to it only you will know how you feel and how many changes you have to make. But as you said, if you miss training, it's not going to be the be all and end all. It is more just about nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's going to be other variables that come into play. For example, like you can't work and finances are an issue. There's going to be other things to come into play when it comes to getting sick. Mm. It's just about stepping back and evaluating for yourself. Like what you said, Danny, like what's realistic for me? I know during lockdowns here, prep was one of the things that like gave me purpose, like something Mm. I was working towards, something I was doing. So you've also got to like weigh that up. Like is this something that I can really just anchor my self too because it's not so much about the show that I would be more concerned about it's the processes that people just go on oh, up nah, fuck it like when yeah. they get sick or when something happens and then all of a sudden they're not doing anything for themselves so that's probably the first thing I would be looking at rather than like your physical symptoms because they will go yeah you know, they will go you'll get better and, yeah. and then like in a month's time will you be looking back going oh should I Yeah, exactly. Whereas I was the complete opposite when um, lockdown happened. The last thing I wanted to do was prep for a show just because it was so rigid and so limited. And I didn't want to be rigid and limited in my training and nutrition and my thoughts. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to have my version of um, being sporadic and having fun and connecting with family and through food. So yeah, everyone's really different. Yeah, really good example, really good example. I also think as well, like during any prep, 
I've always either gotten run down a little bit sick or injured. Like something usually physically happens uh, and you can't let that derail you. It's definitely something I've learned to let go that there's just going to be a perfect 12, 16 week prep. Everything's going to happen perfectly. Like I would Mm. be rudely shocked if that actually happened. Yeah. And that's a lot of people's barrier, which stops them from starting a prep in the first place because they, they foresee the next 16 weeks and say, no, well, I've got this, I've got a wedding, I've got blah, blah, blah. So and so sick. And it's like, that's called life. Like that is life. Don't let that be (laughs) a limiting factor. I mean, okay. There are, there are different variables that are sort of red flags. You're like, okay, I really will not prep during this time. But if Mm. there are small things that you know that you can overcome, again, it's all part of it. Yeah. I feel like that happens a lot with coaching. You know, I feel like when I chat with some people about, um, they're like, oh, you know, I'm just going away for like three days. I'll start then. I'm like, well, you're not going to (laughs) eat. Like, I'm sort of like, we have to learn to let go of this all or nothing mentality. Like everyone wants to know the secret of, you know, getting the results. And the secret is being okay with shit not always being perfect and yep. being okay with things just just working out the way they should and go, being able to learn from that and go harder the next time. I mean, it's just the same as saying as like not every meal is going to be perfect or not every training session is going to feel amazing or not every night's sleep is going to be optimal. Like if you let that derail you and be like, oh, well, I won't, I won't even try next time. Yeah. That, that's where most people fall down. And to me, I'm like, you need to change that. If you want to be able to make progress, you need to change. And I'm yep. not saying um, in regards to the COVID crash that you need to definitely. See, we've gone off on a tangent <laughs> yeah. already, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> but it's just about stepping back. It literally is just about zooming out and being like, okay, what do I need to either step back from or push through? You know, only you can make that decision. Yeah. And it's so fine to change your mind. Yeah, it's so fine to change your mind, honestly, because our problems seem a lot worse in our head compared to, you know, no one else is thinking about, oh, she's not doing the show anymore. Like no one cares, to be honest. No one cares. No one cares. cares. I remember reading a quote and it was like, you are only the main character in your life. And I was like, so true. Like we all think that like we have all this importance in everyone else's life. It's not true. You know, even when when you're on stage, people are thinking about themselves still. They might watch you for a bit, but later like, oh, what's for lunch? Oh, so-and-so. And And then they're on their fire and like, they're just, that's what happens. Public speaking, people just trail off and think about their own shit. Yeah. A really good way is like, imagine yourself in the seat. Like what's your (laughs) mind doing? You know, you're not fixated on like everyone that comes out or on anything or like skipping through stories, you know, like on Instagram, you're, Mm -hmm. you're just focused on like your one path. It's actually really freeing when you realize that because it allows you to take more action. Yeah. hundred percent. Cool. I think we covered that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Let's move on. So Julia (laughs) underscore Stenico, um, for how long should one be in a calorie surplus in order to build muscle? How long is a piece of string? This is, there's no real answer to this. Obviously, the longer you're in a calorie surplus, the more muscle you can build. But Mm -hmm. there are other variables as well, such as training intensity, how high your surplus is. You don't want it to be too high to the point where you're just putting on body fat and then having the illusion of putting on muscle. Um, So, yeah, I think give yourself at least six months or more. Like you can't do a three-month surplus and then quickly go back to the shred because it's like Mm -hmm. it reminds me of like, I don't know, in the wild, they go out into the wilderness and try it and then they quickly scuttle back to the safe zone. That's what people do with dieting phases and building phases. I know I've been there as well because it's uncomfortable, right? 
Yeah, well said. Mm. And like I definitely, um, one thing I really wanted to highlight with this question is like I definitely preach eat more calories and build muscle for sure. But I think there's like this, I don't know, this this myth coming out that you do have to be in like a great surplus um, to build muscle. And that's also not true. So whilst, yes, you need to be eating adequate amount of calories, you don't need to be, like you said, Daddy, gaining a huge amount of weight or being in this mm. chronic surplus for a long period of time. The same like mentality that you don't need to eat a thousand calories to lose weight. Like yeah. you don't need to jump to the other end of the spectrum. But like you said, more often than not, people are eating at maintenance or a small surplus sitting there for like a couple of months. And then as soon as things get hard or start feeling tough, which is the part that you actually need to push through. Like yeah. it's probably when you actually haven't put on much muscle at all, to be yeah. honest, yeah. you pull back because they start feeling a little bit watery. The scale goes up a kilo one day and they make a quick decision in that moment to go, nah, I'm going to cut the calories back down. This is actually yeah. why I think everyone should have a coach in a building phase. Like just to everyone through it, you know? Yeah. Dining's easy. Cutting yeah. your calories and watching the scale go down is easy mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Sticking to a surplus or sticking in maintenance, I should say, more yep. so, um, and just sitting there and not not changing shit. Like this is what people do. They just change things all the time. Mm. Sitting there and sitting through discomfort and just focusing solely on your training because building muscle is like um, a, a, a signal response. You know, mTOR, pushing through hard sets and pushing into your training. It's a signal response. You don't need to chop and change your calories all the time if, if you're training hard enough you know you exactly. just sit at maintenance and life happens you're gonna have this little bit of fluctuation i've been in a maintenance um in a surplus the last week unintentionally right like yeah of course happens right yeah. life happens but what everyone's going to do come january 1st or when everyone's listening to this it's like cool i'm starting to cut now yeah right? we've had had two weeks of probably just like loosening the reins a little bit yeah, everyone yeah. wants to jump back into a deficit so mm. Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangy there. But I like to say to the clients that come to me for that goal of like, I want to build glutes, I want to build muscle. I'm like, you need to give me six months at, at least, at least to get any yeah. substantial results. I would say eight out of 10 usually come at about that four-month mark feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm like, good. You know, yeah. right? this is yeah. part of it. Like if this is what you want, you got to go through this discomfort and hard work to get to the result. Not many will, to be honest. I'm like, that's the no. difference. And it is uncomfortable, but again, you can do it in a way that doesn't allow you to be completely uncomfortable. So be conservative, sit at maintenance and just change your training a little bit as well. You can pull back on the cardio, pull back on some of the sets and higher reps and things. There's a lot that you can change that's not just your calories. So it is very uncomfortable. But then you and I look back on our old selves before we were ever in surpluses and we're like, wow, I'm glad that we did that. It may have been, it wasn't just one as well. We've gone mm-hmm. up and down, up and down yeah. for shows and we've been at our leanest and then we put on 10, 12, 13 kilos and mm. over a period of time. So it hasn't been dramatic, but that's all part of it. So for someone that always, or not this, not Julia in general, but like a lot of people, Julia, <laughs> Jules, you're a legend. Um, a lot of people want an answer, like how long will this take? Yeah. Or, you know, there's no answer. It's mm. just part of the journey and part of life. And if we could easily say, here's the answer, then we'd be bullshitting you know, and trying to sell a mediocre product. So you just got to put yourself through it and see what happens. And then yeah. 
yeah, gain a little bit, sit there for a bit. You can might drop it down a touch based on maybe an event or summer or whatever you want. And then you go back up. That's just how you do it. Yeah. Genetics also play a pretty big part in yeah. like how long you're going to have to be in a surplus for. Um, some people just find it hard gaining muscle. The first thing I look at mm. is their training. Most of the time they're not training effectively. Um, and, and that's, that's a big problem because you'll never grow muscle if you're not training effectively. So that's yeah. usually the first place I look. I think everyone jumps to the calories because it's the easiest thing to look at. But I argue, I'm like, look, science shows you can actually gain muscle in a deficit. Sure. It's not mm. ideal, but science shows that. So I would usually like, rather than just looking straight at the calorie surplus and aiming to eat more and thinking that that's the solution. I would also just be like really having a look at your training, like really, and this is why coaching is probably important, but just having a hard look at your training and being like, am I doing the work that's required um, to actually give the stimulus? Because the calories is the environment. Yes, you need a a hyper calorie environment to actually build muscle, but you need the stimulus first. Like 100%. Um, Because although I don't do nutrition coaching anymore with my work, I do performance based and rehab and hypertrophy strength as a byproduct, as soon as I clean up, and you'd notice this, as soon as you clean up someone's training program, their technique, they're moving in a position that recruits the desired muscles that they want to grow. And then the the muscles change and the body recomps. They're not injured so they can push harder. Um, So yeah, we see it all the Mm. time just from manipulating training as well. Mm. 100%. 100%. Whenever you start with a new coach, you will usually go through a bit of like body recomposition just from changing yeah. your training style as well. So yeah, I like to, I don't touch calories usually for the first month unless they're under eating because you don't yeah. need to, like I said, don't change everything all at once. Um, and it's and overwhelming what- for the client too. A lot of PTs think that, oh my God, okay, I've hired someone. Um, um, yeah, I'm taking someone on as a client. I need to just show how good I am at everything. Mm. No, yeah. it's so overwhelming. You still get it yeah. all the time. People want to over deliver, but mm. if you just communicate, hey, all right, let's focus just like what you said, just in our training for the first month, um, keep mm-hmm. your nutrition habits the same for now. And then once you master this, our style of training together, then we can add in another variable. So just communicate it. And then they'll feel like they know what they're doing. They won't feel like a failure if they can't keep up with everything, you know, and that doesn't even add in all the mindset stuff that people do as well, Um, which I think it's great that everyone's accommodating for a lot of things, but sometimes you don't have to as well. hundred percent. Like you can put, that some sometimes there's too much too much and you've got to you've got to layer it and even we do this like you've got to layer it because you're not just going to walk in and change everything it's Mm. habits it's really difficult these sorts of things are ingrained in you for a long time so training is usually the easiest variable because it's like a script that you're just following whereas nutrition is something that you're doing day in day out and I've seen this like when it comes to I guess nutritional behaviors we fall into one of two camps when we get stressed or emotional or we go off track, we overeat or we undereat, right? Yeah. And like everyone wants to be the other one as well. So the yeah. people that undereat and lose weight, they're like, oh, I wish I just didn't and vice versa. So there's no good nor bad. It's just the habits that we naturally fall to. I'm definitely like a, a snacker. Like I won't undereat usually. Mm. Um, I'm usually the other way. So it's important about knowing which camp you fall in because yeah. I personally find the ones that struggle to gain muscle that think they're in a surplus are the ones that might get get busy during the week and then not eat for a whole day. And yeah. that actually takes you out of your surplus. If you're in an appropriate one to 300 calorie surplus, it takes you out of it. Yeah. So when you, when you have coaching and you have this fine little, and then you look at the averages and you're like, look, you're just not like you, yeah. you actually under eat. So 
it's not it's also about looking at these things and this is the stuff that no one actually thinks of because the same is true if you're in a deficit the mm. people that are like oh i should be in a deficit and it's like what about those licks sucks and bites you know did yep. you track those or yeah are these really the thing the calories that you ate or is this just what you tracked you know until you mm. actually go into behavioral stuff that's when you can start picking it apart because we do a lot of things subconsciously like you said the licks sucks and bites um Or, you know, as you said, being busy, you're not present in your training, nutrition, mindset, whatever you're being coached on. So you almost forget that those things are happening, but they're the things that are the undoing. Like exactly, you can be present and and really um, tracking everything. But then, yeah, if you forget the day that you were too busy to eat or the day that you went out on a bender, like for some reason we forget that these things happen, but it really all adds up. So you do need an all hands on deck approach to everything really. Yeah, 100%. And you know something else that I just noticed subjectively is people that are really stressed out all the time, you're going to have a hard time gaining muscle. So, you know, I've had some clients that have been like 3000 plus calories and losing weight, right. With low activity. And I'm just like Mm. stressed out of their brain. I'm like, I don't know at a like physiological level, what happens when stress is like tightly wound, but it's not good. Your body's not going to gain muscle mass. You don't really digest. Like some people, sometimes I feel a bit sick when I'm stressed and you don't digest and everything is off. And that's a really good point to bring up because I feel like a lot of people reward um, their clients or, you know, themselves for being on so much food, but then no one ever shares how mentally they're actually feeling no, as well. So no. just be mindful of that. Cause if you're seeing, Oh, well, so-and-so is on like 400 grams of carbs, like, and she looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Don't feel bad about yourself. Like mm-hmm. you don't know what they're actually going through. And I wouldn't wish stress upon anyone, but a lot of the time 100%. they're not completely healthy. No, a hundred percent. Literally. I think it's so here I am saying hundred percent. Sorry guys. Um, oh, I, I didn't even notice. Now I'm going to listen back and be one like, of my ticks I've noticed anyways, before I highlight that again, um, something I have noticed, like you said, Danny, this mentality of rewarding people for being able to eat more calories. It's not good because one, not everyone has like a metabolism like that. So it demotivates the people that are probably actually just normal. Like it's I wouldn't want to eat that many. No, Imagine. and that's the other thing. That's the other thing. I've got some clients that do have metabolisms that are revving, right? Yeah, and good. it's hard work for them. They have to eat certain amount just to maintain muscle mass. And, you know, it doesn't matter because like maybe 2,500 calories is still a deficit. They're still hungry. Like it's all relative to the person. Yeah. And, the other thing is like when carbs are super high and or calories are super high and someone's not making progress in the direction that they want to, I'm like, what's going on? Because one, as mm. you said, Danny, they're not absorbing the calories. Yeah. I'm like, you're just not, you're not absorbing the food that you're eating. If you yeah. can't, like you look at the science and you're just like, it doesn't make sense that this is a deficit for you. What else is going on? So yeah. as, as you said, Danny, it's, it's never what it seems. And for some of my clients, like eating is a full-time job and it's a constant and it costs reminder. A lot. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, we shouldn't, we should never compare calories for that reason. No. We should never compare macros and we should never compare deficits or surpluses. This is actually why I'm a little bit funny about sharing macros. Cause I just think it's, it's People will copy, it's man. stupid. It's mm. stupid. It's, it's like, yeah, I, I have a little bit of a pet peeve because as people said, it's like, well, how much should I be in a surplus? How much should a deficit be? And it's like, you can't actually compare it. So it's yeah. almost like wasted content for me. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, I think we covered that as well. Is that done? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's done. done. Just a long time. Take a while. Don't rush into it. That's as long as you need. You know, as long as you need. Enjoy it. Um, Grace Lockhart just got my cert four. Congratulations, Grace. Tips for starting a PT business. Mm, yeah. So this is um, I feel like we should definitely do like a whole little mini series or something I'm on sure we have. No, like a dedicated. Let us know if that's something that's interesting. Cause I reckon yeah. it would be good. Um but like a business, think, um yeah, business like a little podcast. business yeah, segment. Be like a little little yeah, yeah. that's fine. we've just come up with an idea so if this resonates please let us know yeah all the feedback (laughs) please also let us know um but it is I I think it's really important because when I first went into business there's like no I was like where's the starting a coaching business for dummies where's this book like where is the guidelines yeah and things have changed not only in the fitness industry but just in the way that we do business now or like especially with the online capacity um 100% I love sitting down with mum and dad and just having a little bit of chat about their businesses and stuff and just how different things are now compared to like business 20 years ago. Well, they're right? farmers, like, right? Yeah, they've had lots of different businesses. Oh. Um, so it's really interesting just like listening to how how different it is and not like how good we have it, but just like, I don't know, the debt we don't have to have and just all the things and the accessibility and just the the position that online has allowed us to have, but there's then no also, overheads. No, you know overheads. your parents are in there getting it because what? What was the one? Um, the crops, something with crops. I should know this. Sorry, what were they doing? <laughs> getting their hands dirty every day. You know, getting yeah. in there. Yeah. So my family had like a a, um, a corner shop to start with, like a oh. corner shop before our town had like macas and all that sort of stuff. They did like um like a corner shop. They had that, and then they had like a um like natrad. I don't know if you know what natrad is. Nah, nat they rad. had like. Yeah, and now they've got the their main business, which is um like se- our seed cleaning business. So How cool is that? That's right, harvest. seed cleaning. I knew yeah. it. I just wanted to get it out of here because it was something Cross. so like cool. Yeah. yeah, so very different, right? But it's so funny because the same principles apply business to business. Like mm. the same underwriting businesses apply. Sure, your systems and your processes and all of those sorts of things are different. But when it comes to business, like a lot of, I guess, advice you can get from your parents if they are in business too or, or like books or friends. But I find that with the fitness industry, there's been so much movement over the last, you know, three to five years. And it's really important to be over it of how to actually start up and have a successful, sustainable business in the fitness industry as it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everyone should be on social media, everyone, Mm. because people are going to look you up. It's just the way that it is now, which is still so bizarre. Five years ago, it was definitely not the case, but get on social media. You don't have to be the world's best fitness model or inspo or this or that, but Mm. just have a space for your clients to to go on and just see you, okay? Because they don't want to see, you know, a random, like log on, okay, you've done two photos and one's a picture of your breakfast. Like you need to just show up on social media. Um, 100%. And there has to be an element of, online I feel just because the way so many PTs have not been able to work during COVID and we don't know what's coming so have some sort of element of an online business now for someone just starting don't go purely online you need that hands-on face-to-face work shadow people find people who Mm. are practicing in a way that you want to um, ask for help do lots of hours for free shadow follow people that's definitely what I did Um, but 
to get that hands-on experience is so important, but then also you can offer an element of online and it doesn't have to be like, for example, you don't have to do technique correction if you're just starting because that's a bit overwhelming, but you can offer your program online and say, hey, when you're not with me for this 45 minutes to one hour, um, you can do your program. Here's an app or here's my spreadsheet. Do the other days um, of the week these exercises. Now I'm going on a real big tangent, losing my words. But um, anyway, I want to say have some face-to-face and some online components. But you don't have to like try and be an online hero when you're just starting because online is very hard to just start off with. Yeah, absolutely. Online is actually more challenging than in person because you can't establish a rapport uh, as well online. Mm-hmm. There's definitely methods and systems and ways around that and programs that you can, but really well said there, Danny. I think something <laughs> I wanted to highlight is there's a big difference between having a business and being a coach. So mm-hmm. identify whether you feel like you're in a place to start uh, coaching as a business or whether, like you said, Danny, you want to work under someone for a period of time. I would oh, actually yeah. encourage that. If you're oh, yeah. brand new as a personal trainer, I did this, um, work for someone for a period of time. Literally, I was on freaking Becky's to get paid for, mm. but I wasn't there to get paid, to be honest. Like I didn't care. I was still working full-time as a midwife. So I didn't really yeah. care. Um, but it was more so for the experience because the person that I mentored under, like I was just like, you have so much knowledge. And you know what his downfall was? He was not on social media. There you go. I'd say to be honest, his business folded after a couple of years. So yeah. the stress was too much. And, you know, I actually, and it does that. most, yeah. there are a lot of PTs that it is too much because people yeah. think it's such a glamorous job, but you can become that washed up PT who has 500 coffees a day and pre-workouts just to stay alive. And then your yeah. training goes down the drain. It is so yeah. easy for that to happen. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was really sad actually, um, oh. you know, to watch, watch that happen because, mm. you know, I just think it was actually the first wake up call for me to be like, you know, longevity is everything in this coaching space because you do give so much of yourself. And I was really glad that I saw that because I thought I was burning myself out at the time and I watched yeah. what he was doing and I was like, oh God, there's another level when you've got a business. So this is another thing when you've got overheads to pay and you've got staff to look after and you've got clientele that are always right. You've got to remember that having a business and being a coach are two separate things. You need to decide yeah. which avenue is a good way to start. And um, yeah, I would always encourage when you're learning and when you're getting your heads wrapped around training, which is already really overwhelming and mm-hmm. programming. And, you know, it, I would start underneath someone because it's a yep. big it's a broader conversation of them what to do starting a business because mm. um yeah like I can definitely relate and so can you Danny right mm. like the coaching element of what I do now is maybe like at best 30 percent of the business work you know there's oh yeah you've got to take into account and like you said Danny the social media side is the business side of it right like you it's your advertisements your marketing mm-hmm. free marketing got it Exactly. You've got to know that. Something I also wrote down, which um is a really good recommendation. for Look everyone. at you with a pen and paper in Swan Hill, by the oh, way. I'm I just know. laughing. Guys, Danny was laughing at me earlier because I, like, I had a pen in my hair and I was like, what's happened to me back here? Like Seriously? literally I'm on the dial up. <laughs> no way, actually. No, come on. We don't have, we don't have 4G out here, but we definitely have 3G and we definitely don't have the MBN, but you know, (laughs) mum has Foxtel and that's all the rave. So anyway, something I did write down just guys, our pen license, pen to paper was there is a great article and you can find a review on YouTube that has summarized in like three minutes. It's called a thousand true fans. Have you heard of it? Mm. 
It's no. It's like this article that this guy wrote about um, a thousand having a thousand true fans to be able to turn your passion into a full time profession for longevity. So a lot of people have this misconception that you need a million followers or that you need like mm. hundreds of thousands of of views on videos and all this sort of stuff to be able to like have a sustainable income. And this guy wrote this really good article and sort of broke it down logistically and was like, all you need is a thousand true fans, not followers. Yeah. A thousand true fans. These are the people that, you know, you put anything out and they're going to buy it sort Mm, of thing. mm. Um, And yeah, it's a really good listen. And he sort of like breaks it down. And I think it's good because a lot of people worry. They're like, oh, I'll never be like this, you know, this influencer. I'll never have this great reach. And it's like, you actually don't need to be like this celebrity influencer to be able to have a successful business, right? You definitely don't. And as you mentioned, Danny, like, yes, you have to be on there, but what if all you needed was a handful, right? And this guy was sort of saying, like, if you have a thousand true fans and the true fans definition is really important. So Mm. go on and have a listen about what that actually means. If you have a thousand true fans and they all paid you a hundred dollars annually a year, that's a hundred thousand dollars. And that's a great income. Yeah. And you don't get those creepy followers that just want to see pictures of you in your stage gear and, you know, (laughs) seriously, it's not just, thank you for sharing that. That's brilliant. And a lot of people get caught up in the number of followers and no, like you have to look at your insights and say, okay, which kind of people are following me? And then you adjust your content accordingly because we can all get so many followers and likes by posting bikini photos, right? But mm. are they going to opt in for coaching? Well, no, maybe not. Yeah. Like a lot of people just want to be in there for a perv, like, and that's mm. the reality. So don't get caught up and think that you're so far behind just because people have so many followers. Like, as you said, a thousand true fans. Really love that. Yeah. I think it's mm. really interesting. Like when you're sort of like analyzing your content and like the people you're attracting and sort of like the comments that you might get, you know, for example, like if I do like a body positivity sort of post or something, and then, you know, I get like freaking 200 reinforced comments from like women that are like, fuck yeah, this has helped me so much. And then you get like one egotistic male on there. That's like cellulite's not normal or something like that. Oh, right. God. It's just about being like to sieve through and being like, What's effective for the clientele that I want? What do I need to let go of? Because everyone focuses on like that one thing or the post that doesn't do well or the followers that they don't have and this scarcity model. And I think it's really important to grasp concepts like what really matters, you know. Like Mm. if you said to your, like if I said to my parents who have a very successful business that they needed freaking 100,000 customers, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not how business works. That's look after people I got, you know, and that's why I think. Yes. Yeah, that's all right. You just sound like you're underwater a little bit, but you're so right. I'll just um talk while you sort that out. That's fine. How good. We're truly in holiday mode, but um welcome to the flexibility of this. Sorry, I'm back. Oh, I'm you're back. back. I, I enjoyed I the underwater vibes. The, the dial up then must have flicked <laughs> over. Um, but yeah, I think like, sorry, as I was saying, it's really important to pull back and be like, what tips are practical for me, but aren't going to overwhelm me? Cause I just feel like there's so much advice out there. It's really overwhelming. Like good on you, Gary V for saying, put out 10 pieces of content a day and do all these Fuck. sorts of things, but people got to still run a business 
business and you can build up to that. Like, don't get me wrong. You can build up to that. But where do you need to start? You needed to start showing up on your stories. You needed to yeah. start with one post a day. You needed to yeah. start with one platform and doing it well. Like you need to start. And I think that's that's the best piece of advice I could give anyone trying to get into the fitness industry. Yeah, I mean, people think that if you have your own business, it's easier. Now, it can be more flexible, but it can also, it's it's not easy at all. It is so much harder to run your own business than work under someone. So the advice of, working under someone to start off with, whether it's another coach or whether you're at another gym getting leads from them, that's the number one priority. And you can choose how long you want to do that for um, before you're comfortable to move on. Again, that's up to you. Now, I remember when I won my pro card, that was the like the least amount of money I ever had. I was fucking broke, literally. (laughs) So on the outside, I looked amazing. Social media, I was pumping. Danny, you know, you just won your pro card. Awesome. Fucking no money at all because I neglected my work all for my training. Now it got the process that I wanted and, you know, I don't regret it, but people think that you can do it all. And I probably played my cards a little bit wrong. I was still lost in the career direction I wanted to go. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to put things on the back burner go Mm. full steam ahead to get my pro card. Um, And that doesn't even pay the bills either. Cool. It shows a sign of authority and a sign that you can apply yourself to a task and that you, you know, you're in a position to give advice to other people, but winning a pro card does not pay your bills. Okay. Obviously if you're a coach that does body composition and all of that, great. Um, You can definitely use that to set the standard and show the example that you are. But for a lot of people and and myself included who don't give out nutrition or I don't take on comp prep people or even just someone who works in an office who just wants to compete, just remember like you need to compromise to do that. So on social media, we may see people that look amazing and we think, oh, they've got so many followers. They've got so much money. They're hardly the case ever. You can only apply yourself to so many things at a time. And then as soon as I found the avenue I wanted to go career-wise, I sort of stopped, yeah, stopped competing because of COVID, but then I was able to focus purely on business and that's when everything took off and that's when all the opportunities came. So my advice is to also don't be fooled by what you see on social media. If people look like they've got the dream life with everything happening, it's really hard to apply yourself to that many things or wear that many hats. Um, and then, yeah, just focus on one thing at a time. And if you want to improve your business, you need to get your hands dirty. You have to have nights where you, you compromise sleep sometimes, not all the time. Um, but at the start, you're going to feel like a rookie, but just embrace that because the people who live that flexible lifestyle and, you know, we get to travel and, you know, we get to do these things from wherever in the world we've put in the work and we still do. It's not all sunshines and rainbows. Like we don't put, you know, the accounting, the numbers, the taking on clients, the phone calls, the sales, the this, that, the upskilling. We don't put all that on social media, but that's what the cogs are turning behind the scenes. So there's a lot that people don't show. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think um, it's really important to highlight that sort of stuff because when you look at everyone gets into coaching and they go, okay, I better get a pro card. I better compete. Like it's a relevance thing. And I just think 
it's so backwards. It's so backwards. And you said something in there, like, um, what you say, the pro card doesn't pay the bills. I also want to say followers don't pay the bills. Yeah. You know, everyone spends so much time on, you know, for example, Instagram. Are you in your Facebook communities? Are you in your clientele, like messages? Are you actually responding to emails? Because I bet you yeah. a lot of them aren't, right? And that's so backwards to me. Yeah. Because I'm like, shit, if I've got client work to do, I've got a Zoom to run, I've got something to record like not freaking on Instagram like you know usually I'm quite organized that sort of stuff so I am but it's also about realizing that who pays the bills who builds culture because culture is the glue to your business so it's just about Mm -hmm. understanding like those sorts of principles and like I said that's not rocket science when it comes to business but in this era of social media it's lost and Mm -hmm. it's like yeah, that's great. Like you can put out 10 pieces of content and take Gary Vee's advice, or you can focus on, you know, building a thousand true fans. And that starts with building one true fan and then two true fans and three, right? And it's just about understanding there's that process. But Mm. I love what you said with that, Danny, because I think so many people see the glitz and the glam of all this sort of stuff of business, right? You see the Gucci (laughs) handbag and you're like, you know, you don't see, okay, well, maybe that person really struggled to finances at the start. Yeah. and And maybe that's a reflection of that. So it's just about understanding that. It's not all as it seems. And we've all had to start as a beginner at the bottom, not knowing what the hell we're doing. Seriously, I was so yep. lost when I started a business. I had no freaking idea. I'm like, mm. where do I register for my name? <laughs> like, where, where do I you go? So it's just about understanding that if you've got people around you, ask. But yeah. I would start with working for someone. Like, yeah. Learn what you want to do. And then like what I said, what I don't want to do, what I don't want my business to end up. They're both valuable lessons. Yeah. Yeah. So put yourself out there and really ask for help. Okay. Because you've got people that specialize in all elements, Mm. um, your bookkeeping, your accounting, the training style you want, the nutrition style that you, you dream to prescribe, um, a mindset coach, find mentors in every single element and just stick Mm. to them like a little pest wanting all the advice in the world. You know, I, I'm so grateful for all the people and, um, that has helped me along the way. And then you pick and choose little parts from them, what to do, what not to do, as you said, and then you form your own thing. Um, but Mm. it does take that initial, you know, putting in, you're not the star of the show at the start. You need to sit down with your head down, taking notes, following, working for free sometimes, um, mm-hmm. but it, it just grows and it, it takes time. And again, yeah. everyone's time's different. So we can't put a time frame on it. Yeah. And one thing I will say is just be careful of um, like business coaches in the fitness industry as well. Oh, you love I, dropping that. Well, I think it's, it's becoming it's really true. trendy. And I just sort of think if you're a complete startup, you don't need a business coach. Like nah. you need it. You need to do the questions. time like everyone else. Do the fucking time. Wait till you <laughs> new scale. Then then look at that sort of stuff. But yeah. like you said, Danny, there's people that you can ask. But you also got to be like looking out for yourself and being like, you know, everyone's their own main character. So mm. just don't forget that everyone's going to put their hand up if there's a price tag attached to it. You know, use yeah. the resources around you and build on top of them. And when you're in the position, like don't live above your means. You know, Mm. a lot of people on social media are really good at doing that, living well above their means and then Mm. painting that you should be at this place too. And when you're just starting out, that's not, that's not true at all. Like you said, Danny, like we worked for free at the start. Mm -hmm. I just, I asked, like I really hunted around for clients when I was working in person and just, you know, we've all had to start there. So don't Mm -hmm. be afraid of starting there. 
Amazing. How exciting. Yeah. So let us know if you do want us to do like little business related snippets, probably not as long as a whole podcast, but maybe one topic at a time. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Let us know guys. All right. Last one for it. Me. All right. She's handballed it. Lisa, Lisa about Lisa, uh, Lisa Rabout. Oh, I'm sorry if I butchered your name. That's why you gave me this one. And it's tricky. Lisa Rabout. How to not care about other people's opinions. Oof. Now, I love Sorry. Yeah, it is. I was talking about this yesterday to someone like, naturally, as a survival mechanism, we want to fit into the clan because whatever you believe in, if you think about, you know, years and years ago, we had tribes. Now, whoever didn't fit into the tribe would get attacked. Okay. So naturally, on a genetic level, we want to fit into a tribe. Within that tribe, you have hierarchies. You've got the alpha, you've got, you know, your hierarchy there. So it, I can understand why people just don't really put themselves out there because you we don't want to cause conflict naturally. But it is important for you to not care about someone else's opinion. You need to really back yourself without causing too much turmoil in the tribe, but don't lose yourself and lose your opinion and just fade away to the back of the group, okay? Because then you're always going to be living your life based on what other people think of you um, and what other people, yeah, dictate your life to be. Mm, Yeah, and then it's not really your life. Like you've got Mm. to realise that everyone's going to give you their opinion. That's totally fine. Everyone can say whatever they want, but it's up to you to decide which opinions you let in, you know, because... It's, it's your decision at the end of the day. And I've had a lot of people give me advice that I'm so grateful I did not take on mm-hmm. because I'm like, look back and I'm like, thank goodness I didn't listen to that person. And mm-hmm. I did it this way because my gut told me to. So I just went for it. Yeah. And, you know, and this turned out the way I did. And then vice versa, like there's definitely been like oh, times where I'm like, I shouldn't listen to that person. They didn't yeah. pre-qualify to give me the advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you mentioned there, Danny, like if you ever find yourself being like, nah, I won't do that. Like ask yourself why. And there's like a uh, like a method of like the five whys. If you ask yourself five times, you'll get to the actual reason as to why. Mm-hmm. And you can do that. And usually, as you mentioned, it's going to come down to fear of judgment. It's like, why didn't you post that? Oh, well, I didn't want that. Blah, blah, blah. Come down yeah. to like, oh, I just didn't want to look stupid. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, what would happen if you look stupid? It's like, oh, people probably wouldn't like me. And what happens if people don't like me? Mm. No one would want to hang out with me. And then what? And then I'm alone, you know? So it's about yeah. realizing what's at the root cause of the re- of the thing that's making you care about people's opinions. And sometimes they hold weight. Like maybe it's a parent. Mm. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's your partner. Like, you know, and you do care about their opinion, mm. you know, and that opinion's important to you. But it's also just about realizing Sometimes these opinions aren't important to us at all and they still affect us in the same way. Yeah, and self-confidence really comes down to the pillar of how much you care, to be honest. I suppose the more confident we are in our actions, in how we are perceived, you know, in how we look, in how we feel, um, the more confident we are, the less things will impact us unless it is from a primary attachment like what you said, parents, partners, siblings. They just know how to to get under our skin in a way because we just, because we do care about, we care about them so much and it's on a physical Mm -hmm. genetic level. You know, you want to be accepted by your, your tribe, your family. Um, But it's really important for you to just 
go through the trial and error of finding out who you are and what you have to offer to the world and then getting really good at it. Like, don't be scared to practice a skill. Don't be scared to fail at something or make the wrong decision. Like all of these add up to build your confidence. And once you know what you're doing, once you, you know, are having fun and enjoying yourself and putting yourself in an environment that you can thrive people are always going to have poor opinions no matter who you are but you're you've primed yourself in a position to not care and you know that's humbling but it all starts from the work that you put on yourself Mm, yeah confidence has actually been something I've been really curious about lately like whether it's like body confidence or like speaking confidence or confidence in a a particular role like I, I think it I used to think it was an age thing like I used to think that as you you hear that a lot. Like as you get older, mm. you just become more confident. And I, I disagree with that now because mm. I've spoken and, you know, chatted with a lot of women and, and visually seen a lot of women that are older and they still have poor confidence, whether it's with their body or in their career yeah. or in relationships. So I've disregarded. It's not, a, it's not an age thing at all. You don't no grow way. confidence. You, you grow through experience of becoming more aware in yourself. So yes. I feel like um, awareness, like self-awareness just is confidence because I'm like, cool, I got cellulite. I don't give a shit because I'm so aware of who I am and, and confident in that I'm a good person. You know, yeah. so like if I got some cellulite, I don't care about that more. So I know how to get rid of it if I choose to. So having like self-awareness and like, I, I guess self-awareness to me is, self-worth you know Mm -hmm. if you're aware of who you are and you're okay with that like that is self-worth so it's about you know those deeper conversations with yourself that I believe can only come through like not a podcast but like a place (laughs) of like reflection a place Mm -hmm. of journaling a place of like deep work that's how you actually learn to not care less about people's opinions but detach from them and not take them on and have that choice rather than just responding and reflexing to them yeah and and a more surface level example, even though it was a big deal for me, like when I moved from Melbourne to Sydney, so I'm nearly 30 years old. I've been driving for a long time since I was 16 on my L's and then got my P's. I loved driving, go for a cruise, go down the shops, this, that. I moved to Sydney. The roads are just ridiculous. Everything's on high alert. You have to be a Formula One driver. People are just, the roads are smaller. I lost all my confidence getting behind the wheel and someone yeah someone did you know nick my car and it was actually a ride-off but it was still a slow impact and and then I just you start to go down a spiral and a skill that you've had confidence in for so long just from new experiences you can like my mind was playing games and all of a sudden I started to feel the labels coming in like you're a bad driver maybe you shouldn't be driving like and then it started to feel sort of already highly wound up knowing that I had to go somewhere like it was just bizarre how a change in scenario knocked like all of my confidence since I was 16 nearly being 30 and I'm like that is ridiculous so to get out of it I got a lot of reassurance from everyone saying no Danny it's not just you the Sydney roads are fucked and we all hate driving here so don't worry I'm like thank god so I had that connection with my tribe to make me feel better and I'm I'm just getting behind the wheel saying all right I'm just practicing skills I'm going to learn the roads I'm going to drive at a time that it's not peak hour traffic yeah. I know you've got school mums going this way old people going that way not being generic but these are just different groups young people whatever um so I have to change my environment catch myself on the language that was coming up and say, is it actually true? And say, no, well, it's not true. Um, And then just keep practicing the skill. But it's bloody uncomfortable to get confidence back, even if it's just something like that or going on a date, 
the longer you don't do it, you forget how to do it. And then you think that you're, you can't do that skill. You just have to go there. So connect with people that you can discuss with, be self-aware and just practice the skill until you feel good at it. I think that's yeah. my recipe for, for confidence on those things on action taking. Yeah, really well said, because I think a lot of people, what happens, right? If, if you weren't very self-aware and persistent, a lot of people just wouldn't drive. Yeah. Right? And they're like, oh, well, I won't do it. You know, and this applies for everything. You get injured mm. at the gym, people go, nah, I'll never, I'll never deadlift again. Mm. Nah, I'll never do it. Mm. It's the worst thing that you can do. If you want to build mm. confidence in an area, you have to go through discomfort and you have to yeah. actually step into areas that you feel uncomfortable because you're never actually going to be able to flex that. Mm. I mean, the same applies to everything. So why do we think if we can't practice one skill that all of a sudden we're just going to earn it? You don't mm. just, you've got to desert, like, sorry, you've got to earn it by going through it. And yep. As you mentioned there, Danny, you went through like a few mental processes where you're like, oh, is this factor? Is this feeling? You know, what do I need to do? What do I need to lean on? How do mm. I need to move forward? What do I need to do to make this feel manageable enough to just take that first step? Okay, I'll go at this time. And yeah. this is the way we need to think about absolutely everything, whether mm. it's social media, mm. getting back in the gym, starting a new routine, a healthy habit. I don't care. It has to be so small and so manageable that yeah. you can build like self-confidence and self-belief in yourself to take that first step so when it comes to ridding the opinions of other people you know start small and maybe start by verbalizing it and becoming a little bit more self-aware and just over time you know you build into it and I think a lot of people have this misconception you look at someone they go oh they're so confident you know, and I get this a little bit because I think I just have one of those passive aggressive personalities (laughs) um, (laughs) passionate about stuff yeah Um, but I still have insecurities like I still still lose confidence Mm, it's just mm. you know I I choose whether I want to showcase that and lean into it and go oh well I won't do it no I don't I'm still uncomfortable posting some things but I just do it yeah so it's just about understanding that if you actually shy away from it that insecurity and that care factor is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger because you're going to start manifesting and overthinking and and you know creating this internal dialogue of exactly. like how bad this thing is. So yeah, yeah it, it's it's a pickle. It's a tough one. It is, it is. But um, it's like something that we're already quite paranoid about. Or I remember in high school, I'd have a big pimple on my face or whatever. Oh, oh and right in the middle. I was already so triggered that anyone could have said anything and I'd get so yeah. embarrassed. So it's kind of like you bring it up with your mates. Oh yeah, I've got this pimple today because you say you stop them from bringing it up too. So we can work ourselves into such a state that we're already nearly tipped over the edge and someone can say just a tiny comment and then it'll be the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So, but if we actually didn't care, oh yeah, I've got this massive pimple on my face, whatever. Someone says something, it's like, yeah, cool. I actually don't care. So I feel like, whatever triggers us, we already start being triggered ourselves from our own mind. We're already paranoid that that gives more weight to that opinion. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it does. If you ever have like a big blow, sometimes I'll do this. Like if you ever just have a big lash out, it's like Luke, I'll just, you know, you do Ah! say one thing and then it's like gone. You think about that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Right? Yeah, it's just that one thing. What's all the other shit that I let happen to exactly. get me to that state where my, you know, my tolerance level was just like microscopic. <laughs> so it's just about understanding that. I find it really interesting, actually. Someone could give you an opinion and they could say, oh, don't wear that look shit or something like that. Mm. And then one day that might completely offend you and trigger mm. you. And the other day you're like, nah, 
No, yeah. whatever, I'll wear it. What's the difference? What is the difference between those two environments, those two experiences, those two states? It's usually everything that's going on around you. It's not yep. whether you, it's not the person's probably said the exact same thing. So it's really interesting. And again, this is why I think it comes down to self-awareness. It's like, yeah. how much can I tolerate today? If it's not much, maybe I'm not going to put myself in a position where opinions are actually going to be just given to me. Exactly. Don't make the controversial post on a day where you're not feeling yourself. Yeah, Yeah. don't open yourself up. Or don't ask for opinions from other people. Or And if they're giving giving you advice without you asking, remove yourself from that person. Laters. Do you know know what's something that I do sometimes? is like I, for example, sometimes I'll get Luke to um, proofread my um, a post or an email because I'm not okay. the best speller sometimes. So I'll be like, right. can you just run your eyes over this if it's the long one? Or if I'm like, I can't make a spelling mistake in this. Yes. Um, I won't ask for his opinion on the post. I'll go, don't give me your opinion. <laughs> just spell check it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll say, how's it read? Because, you know, sometimes you'd be like, oh, I don't know if you should say it like that. And then you get those inner critics. It's like, oh, maybe yeah. it's a bit too political. Maybe I shouldn't say it like that. Blah, blah, blah. Whereas now I've learned, I'm like, you know what? If I'm a little bit anxious, I'll just post it. Like that means it's good. It's good to go. So I'm just like, I'm very wary of not who I ask the opinions of, but in what genre, like, you know what I mean? Like I'm not going to ask Luke for an opinion on a social media post on my behalf on my platform. Like it's so. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Cause he'll put his sense. biases on it and people yes. put their own biases on it. And a lot of people who aren't close to you will give their opinion because they don't yep. want to actually see you happy or succeed. Not saying yes. Luke, but other people from outside, like, exactly. yeah, you get in a new relationship. All of a sudden the, all the divorce people are upset about it and trying to talk you out of it. Oh, it won't last you're not good like Mm. that person yeah you shouldn't be together yeah just be mindful of it everything's a big mirror yeah exactly even Mm. like um it's really interesting you apply this to every area of your life seriously i've been looking at um like building a house next year and Mm. um doing some of the plans for that and the amount of people that are like don't buy don't build rent no invest in Bitcoin. Like the amount of people that like, everyone's got an opinion, right? Yeah. And at the end, I was like, literally, you get on the internet and I'm fine. 50% of people that are for buying and building and 50% that are not like and put yep. your money elsewhere and say it's a waste of time. Yeah. And I'm like, literally 50-50. So the only person that actually knows the answer is me. Exactly. I think at the end of the day, you have to stop hunting for opinions. Mm. You have to just go with what you feel like. It's like, actually, you know, this is my Instagram or this is my money or this is my decision or this is my body. You know, you can only make that choice. So, you know, like I said, just be selective. And if you're not going to take on that opinion without criticism, don't ask for it. Exactly. Simple as that, right? And like the mentoring, you can still talk to people that you look up for, but take little bits and pieces. Find out why the person who is living this lifestyle in their big house that they built, find out what they did, why they enjoy it. Talk to someone who's loving the rental life in their dream location, but they don't own it. Find out what they love, what they're doing. Take that and then make your own decision. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And that's a good wrap up, you know, heading into the new year. And, um, you know, we just wanted to wish everyone like a happy new year. We hope everyone had an amazing time over the Christmas break. I know we definitely did. It's so nice just to slow down and put the break on a little bit and just, you know, get excited for the new year. Yeah, we're excited to bring you, obviously, more episodes. Um, We haven't missed one yet, which is exciting. And just giving you more content and still interacting. So give us episode ideas. Let us know what you want to hear from us. Or hopefully we can do events. Who knows what we'll end up doing. Um, But we look forward to bringing you another year of the Level Up podcast. And we're so excited for what's to come. 
Yeah. Thanks everyone again for tuning in. And if you did enjoy this episode, please make sure you do take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Happy new year.